0: like to welcome you to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. In this episode, we're going to have a look at what it takes to get 110% productivity. Here's what's coming up. While I'm working on the car, what am I going to get uh, accomplished?
1: There's, There's so often, I think we hire people and expect them to know how to Know how to do their job and don't set the expectation.
2: The difference I see between uh, the shops we visit and work with is uh, just the shops that are productive. That's their focus, and they, they understand every piece that goes into it. Uh, there's a lot more that goes into productivity than a technician being able to fix cars. That's actually not usually the not usually the case that lowers the lowers the productivity in the shops that are struggling.
3: Whatever it is,
0: I want to remove those barriers for a better business, a better life, and a better industry. The Institute's Leading Edge. Welcome to The Leading Edge, episode number 19. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about increasing productivity in the shop. And with us today we have uh, BJ Lee. BJ is a consultant uh, with the Institute and... uh, One of my best friends in the world, and he and I have worked together for about thirty-five years now. Quite a A while. while Longer. Quite a while. Uh, Thanks for coming, BJ. Uh, BJ's owned, owned, ran, managed uh, uh, shops in the industry for most of his life, and now uh, works as a consultant with us. We have uh, Mr. Greeno, Bill. How are you this morning? Very well, thanks. Very well. Uh, Bill has a shop in Truckee, California, continues to put out some phenomenal numbers and uh, uh, do fantastically there. Uh, and he runs our Southeast Group, one of our 20 groups we work with, and uh, does a lot of teaching uh, in the industry. Bill, thank you for uh, taking time out of your very busy day to be here. Appreciate it. And uh, last but not least, uh, Mr. Tom Lambert. Tom, I thought you were headed to San Diego today. No, that's tomorrow, uh, buddy. All right, uh, Tom is uh, uh, runs a shop called Shade Tree Automotive here in Utah. Where my truck will be this afternoon, um, and uh, Tom is also uh, works with us here at the institute. So uh, uh, thank you for uh, coming on board.
3: Tom. Yeah, Tom may be driving your truck to San Diego.
0: Never know. <laughs> I'm just waiting
2: for him to drop it off. I don't want to put miles on my own.
3: And by the way, Tom, uh, you're just in time for the rain. We've got four or five days of rain coming. Uh, so. I saw that. I never saw that. Get your weather on. You'll be
0: fine. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not in San Diego, though. So maybe you might get lucky, man. It never rains <laughs> in San Diego. Um, all right, we're uh, we're gonna talk about productivity here, but I think before we start. Um, we need to define uh, the difference between efficiency and productivity, at least in the way that we talk about it here at the Institute. Um, I think that there are different definitions depending on who you talk to, uh, which consulting company, which uh, person in the industry. So we have this thing called efficiency. Uh, in, in, in our book, efficiency means when the technician is working on the car and has his hands on the car how much time does he perform for the amount of time he's actually working on the car? It does not take into account cigarette breaks, uh, cell phone breaks, uh, uh, bathroom breaks, any of that kind of stuff. So only while I'm working on the car, what am I going to get uh, accomplished? Uh, Productivity, on the other hand, takes into account all things. So if a technician comes to work at 8 o'clock in the morning, clocks in, uh, clocks out at uh, noon, clocks back in at 1 Clock's out at five. He was on the clock for eight hours. What did that technician produce during those eight hours? Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, it is fair to say and probably still uh, legitimate to say that the average productivity in the industry is about 72%. And I think that there are a lot of shops and a lot of shop owners that feel like this is something that it's just such a challenge for them to get productivity out of their Uh, uh, technicians and out of their business and I will tell you that that extra 28% of productivity not to mention if you go over 100% is probably costing a typical shop somewhere in the neighborhood of about $150,000 a year in lost um, revenue that they didn't make. So uh, Bill let's let's start with you. Why do you think um, there's such a, a problem with productivity in the industry?
1: I think it comes from a lack of of expectations, uh, a lack of clear expectations, where the staff doesn't really know what is expected of them, and that is not just the technician. That's also the service advisor because it's a it's a team effort here. Uh, it begins with the owner setting the expectations, uh, then it goes through the uh, the technician actually pulling the car in in a I hasten to use efficient or productive, but in a timely manner, um, racking, inspecting, the whole process of getting the the information back to the service advisor, the service advisor estimating, communicating effectively with the customer. Did I say estimating effectively? Uh, estimating the work effectively um, along with the technician who has provided them with the information they need to do so. And getting so- the getting the parts back and dispatch. There's just, there's, there's so often I think we hire people and expect them to know how to know how to do their job and don't set the expectation.
0: When you, when you talk about um, estimating uh, uh, correctly or efficiently, or I'm not sure the word you exactly used, I I was like 10 seconds ago. And so, um, Mm -hmm. What what are you what are you talking about? Because I think that's a bigger subject. That's a broader subject.
1: Well, the the so so it has to begin with the technician providing the 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 time and and parts that are needed for the vehicle, and that gives the service advisor the ability to what I said was efficiently. Or I might have said efficiently um, estimate the work. The the, one of the limiting factors that we have is how many how many vehicles per day is the right number, right? We talk about how many hours a day is the right number, how many vehicles a day is the right number, because if there are too many customers to stay in contact with, then the service advisor is not going to be able to keep up with, with everything they need to estimate. So the service advisor needs to be on the ball. They need to get through everything they need to get through to call the customer and, uh, and, and sell the, the rest of the work or
0: repair that needs to be uh, done that day. Okay. Um, uh, Tom, um, not a shift, but I think, it, I think it kind of follows on that question and, and what Bill said. What, what makes up productivity? Why is one shop productive and another shop not productive?
2: Um, the difference I see between uh, the shops we visit and work with is uh, just uh, the shops that are productive, that's their focus and they, they understand every piece that goes into it. Uh, There's a lot more that goes into productivity than a technician being able to fix cars. That's actually not usually the, not usually the case that lowers the, lowers the productivity in the shops that are struggling. So the the shops that are most productive, they've got uh, processes in place uh, to to make them productive. You can't just go out and and tell your technicians to work faster. That's not where productivity comes from. It uh, it comes from us first, as the uh, uh, you know Bill and I are currently uh, running shops. It starts with us, right? As leadership sets the tone of of what we're going to do, we, we get. Clear expectations, clear goals written for everybody, and then we manage that process so that uh, we get our team to buy in with us uh, and go out and do it. Um, and it comes down to the goal we set, and then uh, the next step that a lot of people don't think about is our is our marketing message. Uh, if you're bringing in the wrong customers uh, that uh, are bogging down your service advisors, uh, that. Uh, affects uh, productivity. A lot of people forget that missing link, uh, low average repair order, so on and so forth. Uh, poor inspections is probably the number one difference between a productive shop and a, a non-productive shop. Uh, probably seems strange to some people because uh, an inspection is uh, typically unbillable hours, right? Um, so why would a inspection process make you more productive? It's because, uh, you properly inspect the vehicle. You properly estimate the vehicle. Advisor sells you more time per RO. Therefore, you're going to rack less cars, so on and so forth. So long long answer, I guess. Sorry. The, there's just a lot of pieces that play into it that most people don't understand all those little pieces. It's not one. It's not one thing. It's probably about 10 to 15 things that make you productive. Most people don't know all those things.
3: I mean, I was, we've said a lot of things here, and everybody has a lot of the same stuff. It all comes together. There's so many pieces to this, right? Um, the systems and processes we talked about, right? We have to, we have to have the expectation, like Bill said, right? So we have to set the goals so we know where we're headed, right? And then we have to make sure we have good, in a, good uh, technicians. We don't have a bunch of inexperienced people that can't get the work done. So how can we expect good productivity if they don't have the experience? Uh, you know, and the good technology to do so. And then we need to make sure that we have uh, good accountability, that we talk about these, uh, that there's productivity goals and stuff, and that we talk talk about this consistently to make sure that if they're not performing, why are they not performing, right? Do we need to remove some barriers uh, that we can remove or help them in some sort of training or something? But uh, I think the accountability is a big thing. We talk about this all the time on, on every phase of the business. So, um, you know, I, a lot of good stuff.
0: I think I think it's interesting to me. You know, uh, when we when we run our, our group meetings and we have classes and we, we we have these types of discussions in class, you know, there there's so many different pieces to it. Uh, I think if we're, um, you know, it's it, it would be real easy for me to go south here, and I I don't want to go south, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try to stay on 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 target. Um, I think it starts with the the culture in the business. What are we here for? What are we going to do? Um, If I've got the right culture, then we should be doing a good inspection on this customer's car. And we're going to find work that needs to be done. If we have a good estimating process that gets the information to the service advisor correctly, where the service advisor feels comfortable with it. If we have a good inspection process that, that finds the problems with the vehicle, a good diagnostic process. Uh, now I've got the right information in front of the service advisor uh, faster. Uh, and the service advisor is more confident about it because of the processes that are in place within the business. So they're more likely to sell more of that or, or more of a piece of that. Um, yeah,
3: I think with, that, with your talk about the processes, Bill mentioned about too many cars. Uh, I talk a lot of times with uh, clients about their sweet spot. You know, when you really watch this stuff and really find out where your sweet spot is, you'll be much more productive, right? Bringing too many cars in, bringing too many oil changes in, let's say, or too many inspections or whatever. You know, we want to use those charges <coughs> and keep our productivity where it belongs.
0: That's kind of interesting in the in the with the weekly form, mm-hmm. uh, which which we use with clients. There's there's a weekly form for those of you that are not clients or don't have access to that. And and I think the weekly form really starts to help you decide. What the right car count is, because you can see this great. What you thought was going to be a great week, you had, uh, you know, 20 more cars than you normally have. Man, man, you guys were busy, and you get to the end of the week, and and you didn't even do as much as you did the previous week when you had 20 less cars. Um, there's a oh, sweet, it, a right it, number.
3: Right. I wanted to mention that you know when you start seeing too many cars and they can't get the cars done, you start seeing the opportunity fall because they're not taking the time to inspect the cars and that's not doing a justice for your technicians the shop or the or the client
0: you know so um uh let me go to let me go to bill bill um what is the process uh, for uh um we're going to go to tom in a minute but but bill what's the process for uh uh sending the information from the technician to the service advisor what is your process in your business
1: the process in our business for getting the the information from the technician to the service advisor is is first done digitally, and and then uh, and then the paperwork comes forward. So there's a there is a uh, a repair order and and uh, and then that that gets walked forward along with the keys up to the up to the service counter. Um, but first, the the digital and the digital inspection includes any, any diagnosis that happened as well as the uh, what we call our red check inspection.
0: Do you have the, do you have the tech, I always say, and this is how we did it in my shop, I need, as a service advisor, I need four pieces of information from my technician. I need to know what's wrong. I need to know why the technician believes it's wrong. I need to know what parts the technician needs to do the job correctly. And I need to know how much time the technician believes the job is going to take. Is that in your process, those four pieces of information?
1: 100%. One okay. hundred <laughs> and
0: twenty-five. Okay. And, Just and,
3: wanted and, to
1: make that clear. The, <laughs> right. the best thing I, I've ever done was uh, my most recent hire is a young lady uh, who had a little bit of service advising experience from a glass uh, windshield shop. And she knows... Very little about the whole rest of everything out there, and uh, that that completed the missing pieces for our training uh, with the uh, with the technicians providing all the information to the service advisor because before our service advisors always at least pretended to know everything that needed to be done on a car, and uh, even if they didn't now I've got a gal who says hey, I don't know anything, write it down, and I will estimate it and sell it. Thank you very much.
0: <laughs> okay. uh, Tom, I want to I step uh, uh, one step back from that even. Um, there's an idea out there right now in our industry that it doesn't matter um, how many cars you work on uh, as long as you have the right amount of dollars come through your shop in the right amount of time. So, you know, we have the, the dollars per hour, dollars per day, et cetera. It, it, is there a point where that can become a problem, or does become a problem for the business?
2: I definitely understand that theory. You know, I follow the other uh, the other theories out there. I think that's what helps us stay ahead. Um, uh, but what I've found is, I. Everybody, you know, everybody's seen me, uh, known me long enough. They know I run a lower car count, higher average repair order shop. There's many, many reasons I can fill this whole hour full of reasons why I do that and why I coach that whenever the, the other theory of it doesn't matter how many cars you run through, as long as you're collecting enough dollars, um, it never pans out. Um, you always create a bunch of exceptions to your rules, uh, of holding margins, and estimating everybody the same and then as soon as you make those exceptions those exceptions become the rule. so then you've got your service advisors that are really focused on price instead of value and so they just start cutting prices and uh cutting prices a lot and at the end of the month or at the end of the week the dollars end up not being there it's it's proven so um so i don't know if that answers your question or not uh i'm I'm. i i
0: i think there's a uh, there's a little more clarity that i that i want out of that so i'm going to probably speak about it um marketing matters and the number of cars that come through my shop matter because there's time spent uh with every car and everything uh that is time that i don't recoup money from so if i bring in a lot of uh three hundred dollar jobs uh even let's say that we do the same um you know we're going to do uh I don't know, uh, $9,000 worth of work in our shop today. That's what we need to do in order to get the dollars in the bottom line. And uh, one guy's going to do it with a $900 average repair order. That's 10 cars. Another guy's going to do it with a $300 average repair order. That's, uh, that's uh, 30 cars. Um, but if you get 30 cars in, you still get your 9000 You still make the money you need to make. The problem now is that I have the same maybe two service advisors dealing with 30 cars instead of 10. Um, I have the the technician, uh, you know, my three technicians or my four technicians test driving 30 cars and doing paperwork on 30 cars instead of 10. Uh, uh, they're less efficient, and therefore they're less productive. There's just no way to be as efficient or as productive when you're doing three times the test drives, three times the paperwork, three times the inspections. Um, and, and And so one of the things I'm saying is it's, Productivity, in, in a lot of ways, is about culture within the business. Do I have a culture of productivity? Uh, from the beginning, did I tell my techs this is what I expect of them? Uh, uh, Bill, what, what is your, um, what's your expectation in hours produced uh, from a technician in your shop on a day-to-day basis or on a weekly basis? You there? Okay. We're not hearing you, buddy, because you muted yourself there. I did.
1: Thanks. Uh, I like to see 9.6 hours per technician per day. Uh, that's for eight
0: hours. So 120% uh, at the end of the week, that's 48 hours. Uh, and what, what do you normally run? I mean, let's, so you got this expectation 9.6, but do you normally run 9.6? Are you running less than that? Are you running more than that? What's the normal for your business?
1: The, the norm falls
0: right in there at, uh, yeah, at 120%. Okay. And and do you have some techs that are more productive than others that, that kind of add to the, and some that take away from the pile?
1: Yes, definitely. I've got a, uh, you know, I've got one guy that, that, uh, you know, he, he goes from, from 20 hours a week to 70 hours a week, you know, and he's, he's, uh, he's a diesel technician and he, uh, he moves, um, he moves extremely efficiently uh, with, with big diesel repairs. Um, uh, anything else, he, he sort of drags his feet on. But uh, when, he's got, when he's presented with the work he likes, he really tears it out. Uh, I've got other guys who are just my steady Freddy, 45-hour-a-week guys. Um, the, the, the ones that I find challenging are the European. Uh, I've got a BMW Master Tech who consistently produces right around – A hundred percent. He's, uh, he's my, my 38 to 42 hour a week guy. And, and that's an interesting piece because the, the, the conversation that I have with him is you're always working. You're very good about being busy. Um, this isn't just about you moving faster. It's about the work being estimated. So as much as I'm coming back here and talking to you because I'm cutting your paycheck and your paycheck should, there should be more money on your paycheck, in my estimation, because he's on a pay plan. I'd like to pay you more. You need to go and talk to the service advisors about how you're going to get paid more every week.
3: Well, there you go. I think maybe that uh, brings up uh, delegating to strengths or dispatching to strengths, right? You got a diesel guy that's really efficient. We want to try to make sure that we delegate what we can to him to keep him efficient right? Rather than giving it to a weaker diesel person, right?
0: So dispatch matters. I mean, I, I think uh, having done dispatch and being a service advisor for an awful lot of my life, you know, you got those guys that you can really count on and you want to go to them when you, when you, you know, when you can and when you need to. Um, But you also have guys, I think Bill makes a good point. I mean, if I have a 40 hour week guy and he's a good, steady guy and he does that pretty much every week and he does quality work, i I kind of like that guy. Um, you know, maybe I want forty-eight, but uh, but frankly, I'll take a good forty-hour-week guy that does the job uh, consistently, right? Um, well, well, I like him. <laughs> yeah, I like him too. <laughs> I
3: guess I uh, bring uh, the point too that we're don't do what you don't do, right? It's like bringing in the the right the right work. You know, you specialize, say you're a diesel specialist shop. Now, if you're bringing in, you know, uh, stuff other than that that you're not as good at or as efficient at you know uh like my shop one time i brought in a cement mixer believe it or not i had a stucco guy that had believe a big uh, fleet of trucks and stuff and they flipped over their plaster thing and it was out in front of my shop one day and so what do i do you know me i want everything right so i bring it in because it flipped over and the guys just just try to piece it together i'm going to get rid of it you know and so what do we do i fix it you know uh, maybe not the right thing to do, you know. But so we got to be careful on what we decide we're going to bring in the shop and make sure it's what we do and what we're experts at.
0: Uh, what about these guys that are the, you know, they get their ego is um, is tweaked when uh, when they're able to do something that nobody else can do, and 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 it, they don't routinely charge, um, you know, what they should for that um tom do you do you guys take in uh the crazy stuff or do you try to shy away from that what what you know what do you what do you do What do you
2: classify as crazy stuff i guess
0: well the uh the cement truck might be one of them <laughs> oh, um but no. you know uh something that's been to four or five other shops and nobody can fix it, so we're the guy and uh and they and, and you know then the other shops are recommending us uh for that problem child
2: um so I actually, I am the, I am that shop. Uh, I'm the shop in the area that is known that if another shop can't figure it out, we will. Um, I, I'll do it, but people are going to pay me to do it. I mean, it's, uh, you know, you owe me 200 bucks right now just for bringing it up, right? <laughs>
0: You take it out on my
2: truck. It will be there this afternoon. So. Yeah, no, we, uh, I, I, so on the, from the coaching side, if I had my coaching hat on right now, uh, stay away from that stuff is, is what probably 90, 95% of the shop should do. I just am blessed with uh, just some amazing techs. Uh, I don't just have one superstar. I've got uh, four superstars out there in my shop that are like the go-to guys. So, um, I'm kind of the oddball that can take that stuff and still be profitable and productive doing it. But for the most part, most people should shy away from those problem childs. All it does is uh, maybe you figure it out and makes you feel good about yourself, but uh, it doesn't feel good when you just passed on two grand worth of good paying work while you're screwing around with, you know, some crazy problem. So
0: but I think there's, I think there's two points there. One is if you take it in, you charge for it. So I'm not giving you the discount job here. This is something that my rate is going up. We actually have several shops now that have varying labor rates uh, based sometimes on the age of the vehicle, but certainly based on the problem. We have a a level one, level two, level three diag, and if someone else has worked on it, it goes right to level three, and that's a four or five-hour diag.
3: So um, shout out to Eric Fedberg. He's doing really well at that. He's got four levels. And that crazy car you're talking about, the yeah. initial estimate might be 500 on that. It's, you know, it's a qualifier. If it's been everywhere else, come here. We're willing to accept it and get into it. But you've got to, you know, start off and get that qualifier going, get that,
0: you know, accepted. Right. And I think the second thing, which is kind of an important uh, point from your conversation, Tom, is that you have four superstars, but that wasn't always the case. Mm -hmm. so how did you how did you end up with four superstars that can be productive in your shop because a lot of shops number one they have a hard time finding one um how did you get four
2: we're an extremely productive shop um so uh productive shop techs love right techs uh how do techs make make their money that by producing hours that's what they're graded on that's what they're paid on so uh, my techs come in, they work nine hours. My techs work five days a week, nine hours a day for me. And uh, my 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 guys are steadily over 100% productive. Therefore, even though my rates, my pay rates are very similar to other shops, my guys on average make about 25, 30% more than the, the area norm because uh, everybody gets a portion. Everybody wins together here. So uh, the more the shop does, the more the tech gets, the more I get, the more advisors get, so on and so forth. So,
0: so I think you could you could kind of add that in the pile, I think, for productivity is is the motivation, having performance-enhanced pay system where as the guy gets more productive and continues the quality level, uh, he can actually earn 20, 20% more than other people in the area. And uh, I know with my techs, if they weren't busy, they were causing trouble. They like to be busy. Um, uh, Bill, what, what – other things do you think are uh, uh, so we, we, we need a good process for estimating we want to be bringing the right customers in uh, we got to be making sure we're charging right for it what else is in the productivity uh, place
1: um, I'm gonna I'm going say something that might be inflammatory to, to some out there um, and it's an observation that I've made over the years uh, in in my shop as well as shops that I, that I visit. And that is that um, you can make great money and run a great shop, a really good shop, anyway, with B techs. Um, and and the reason I say that is because a shop that runs with with B technicians and maybe and and I'll I'll leave it at that with with uh, two or three B technicians, they they will take in all the right work because they won't be able to do engine jobs. They won't be able to do those really complicated diagnoses. They won't be able to get into wiring looms and extremely difficult electrical. Uh, and and so they'll turn all that work away or, or help the person to the right shop where they can do it, send them over to Shade Tree. And they will just, they'll spend all their time changing alternators and doing 60Ks and 90Ks and and uh, and you know repairing no no crank no start situations, and and make a lot of money being very productive, and and with that, I've seen many times where the bring in let's let's use diesels for example, a diesel a diesel repair on average for a for a uh, drivability issue, is is well over two thousand dollars. So when you're bringing diesel work in, you've got to have an extraordinarily talented A technician if you want to do diesel work. And what you're going to find is from time to time, um, maybe even more often than time to time, you're going to have work walk away. So you're going to get the original diagnosis, and then you're going to estimate the work for $5,000, and the person's going to either take it for for a a, um, second opinion – they're going to take it for a uh, uh, trade-in, and they're and they're not going to do the work, and so you end up with this really expensive technician spinning their wheels all the time. So I, I guess to, to wrap this up, um, if you're out there and you have B technicians and you're thinking, oh gosh, I need some A technicians, there there are problems that come with having A technicians, and that and the problems are. Is taking on the wrong kind of work, taking in work, and and what I say is, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Just because you can replace motors and rebuild motors and build race car motors for customers in your general repair shop doesn't mean you should.
0: It's it's kind of interesting from the consulting aspect, having looked at you know uh, probably more than two thousand businesses. Um, Workload—the kind of work that you're working on—actually has a great effect on your business, and it can be a it can be a very positive effect or very negative effect uh, if you've got the right work coming in your shop. I think, um, you know, we had a shop in uh, uh, San Jose area, a big Subaru shop, and all of a sudden we're doing a whole lot of motors uh, on Subarus, uh, maybe four a week. And there's no margin in motors. And so parts margin uh, dropping through the floor. Now, here's a point where you say, well, but we were bringing dollars in. And that's, that's probably correct, except if I was doing brake jobs and coolant flushes, I'd be making more money than I am doing engines. I can get more of that through. It has a higher margin. It puts more dollars in the bottom line. Um, so sometimes I think uh, car mix is important. All right, I'm going to stop here. Uh, a brief commercial. Uh, Our new uh, Advisor Mastery Program is now open for enrollment for our second group, which will be starting in April. Um, And you can go to iforabe.com forward slash mastery to see that information. Uh, We have a class uh, on February the 7th and 8th here at our training facility in Ogden. Tom and I will be teaching. Very excited about it. Uh, It's a marketing workshop, and it's uh, titled What's Your Message? Are you bringing uh, the right customers in? Are you messaging well? um and uh i think the write-up says you can have the best service the most talented technicians and service advisors who care to a fault but if your potential customer doesn't know about it uh or you 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 don't exist uh having a consistent and focused marketing message uh is essential to growing and maintaining a business today and if you're not uh, if you're not doing that i think you're in trouble so i think one of the Back to our, our subject today, I think one of the really key important parts, and I think we've kind of been uh, uh, talking about it, is am I bringing the right work into my business uh, to allow my people to be as productive as possible or, or not, uh, you know, kind of almost depending on who, who my, my people are. Um, now, well, let's talk a little bit about uh, uh, performance-enhanced pay plans, because I think that, you um, this has been mentioned a couple of times. I'm not sure everyone online kind of understands that, but um, uh, uh, Tom, do you, are you guys on a pure flat rate or are they on a, a, a base pay plan with a performance enhancement bonus or how does that work?
2: Majority of my staff, especially so office and shop staff are all performance enhanced pay. I do have a couple of, techs that have been with me long enough that I haven't made the transition completely away from flat rate. They begged me not to because they're extremely productive. You know, one guy's a 15 hour a day guy every single day and the other guy's a 14 hour a day every day. So of course they're used to, uh, they steadily make a ridiculous amount of money. Uh, so they don't, they beg me not to mess with their pay plan, but uh m- the other 80% of us are all base plus uh, performance enhancers that works just beautifully.
0: Okay. And, and, and in my, in my opinion, um, that also helps us manage the employee and get, get more, get them more focused in the areas that we want them to be focused in. Is that, is that true?
2: Oh yeah. It's uh, it's amazing. Uh, I notice it actually more with my uh, advisors than my technicians. I know even though we're talking productivity uh, advisors, have a big piece of that pie. Uh, uh, they're a big reason uh, if you're productive or not. So, so yeah, well, uh, it I, helps me a lot.
0: In our, in our uh, service uh, mastery classes and our service advisor classes, I'm teaching that the service advisor's primary purpose in, in the business is to keep the tech uh, busy working, uh-huh. uh, which means a lot of things. I mean, it means selling the jobs at the right place and making the customers happy and estimating quickly and getting the parts there. Uh, so, I mean, it's a lot, there's a lot to that job, but my primary purpose as a service advisor, keep that tech going. Cause that's the guy that's, that's my money generator. The more I put in the front, the more it comes out the back. Um, uh, Bill, do you, do you have performance enhanced, uh, pay systems in your company? How do you, how do you, or what?
1: Yes. Yes. We definitely have a, have a base rate. And then, um, in the, in the, you know, in California, it's, uh, it's not Utah, <laughs> Um, we've got, we've got some laws and, and, uh, and, and so in an effort to work around or work with, uh, probably better said work with the law is, um, with the increasing minimum wage, I've had to reconnoiter the whole thing. So the, uh, so my, my technicians are all going to make $22 an hour starting because that's twice minimum wage currently. Pretty quickly, it'll be 24. Um, and then everything else is bonused on top of that. And the way I bonus it is with accumulated uh, incentive points. And those accumulated incentive points are not ours. However, they're based directly on ours. So uh, the accumulated incentive points, if anybody from the state was ever to come and ask me, those are, those are points and not ours, and uh, though they are derived directly from ours. And there's another pay rate that they get for that. And that pay rate is based on uh, their, their productivity on a, on a uh, sliding scale. It's based on their education. It's based on their certification. It's based on their attendance. And it's
3: based on...
1: Am I missing one? Um,
3: education credits. It. What's Edu- that? Education
1: yeah. Yeah. Education
3: yeah. was the number one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Comebacks. It's uh, funny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, comebacks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's funny. I was, uh, we talk about these incentivized pay plans and, and I remember getting my first one from Cecil back in, I, I want to say it was 2003, 2004. It shows you how old we're getting. But it was, you know, when stuff, when that stuff was first coming out, not a lot of people were doing it. And it was, everybody went from, you know, everybody was doing flat rates. So changing it over was interesting, but uh, my people did very well on it. And so did the company.
0: Yeah. Don't, don't, uh, don't remind me that I'm getting old. I, I don't want to know. Oh, more. Wow. Next, next time you see me, I think my hair is going to be dark or something. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to dye it and make myself look younger. i going to get my, get my eyes lifted. Right. Um, all right. So uh, uh, there's so many different things. Um, uh, uh, best advice for a shop owner that is struggling with productivity, um, uh, BJ. What's your best advice for someone who is having that productivity struggle uh, in I their would, business?
3: Well, I would I would sit down with them and and I would find out what any barriers might be and make sure that there's anything within our uh, within the shop that, and as an owner, I can do to remove barriers to help them along. I want to do that. You know, if that means, you know, we don't have a special tool they need to get the job done or whatever whatever it is, I want to remove those barriers. And if it's ba- their own barriers, uh, which could be uh, training and education or whatever, then I'm going to do what I can to get them the training and education that they need, okay. um, you know, to do that. And then, then I also want to make sure that we have our production goals in place and make sure they understand the you know how this will benefit them uh and, and and have an incentivized plan and talk about these these goals and stuff on a consistent basis so so we can talk about it and and remove obstacles and keep them moving forward and, if, and you know some people you can do that with and and they'll just never get there right but so but so but we have to start talking about it and we have to be consistent in it you know and uh, bringing them in talking to them about it i mean if we don't talk about it and we don't hold people accountable uh, for the things that we set forth, um, you know, shame on us. Uh, I see a lot of that, a lot of accountability issues with with holding people accountable with this stuff.
0: To me, it's this it's this interesting management process of uh, it's almost like the scientific method. You know, I, I have a theory. Uh, my theory is that our productivity sucks because you know the way we're estimating, uh, and we look into that theory and we and we. Uh, decide to put a change in place and we change how we're estimating. I have shops now using multiple labor rates, Um, you know, and, uh, and uh, uh, additional time. I think uh, our shops routinely uh, add about 20% to the book time, if not a little more than that. And the larger the job gets, the more they may add to the book time. Uh, So now I put that in place and I see what the result is. And the result is higher productivity, Uh, more dollars, Per hour produced by that particular technician and, and to me it's kind of just this continuous looking at and going okay we're not there yet you know we're at uh, maybe we're uh, at uh, 83% uh, and uh, hey, we're better than the rest of the industry but we're not at 120 so um, the conversation that you have the conversations that you have with your team and your and your employees your individuals about why are we not able to to get the kind of productivity out of the business that we should. Um, Tom, are you guys uh, are, are you guys meeting routinely, and do you have those kind of conversations, or did you have them when you weren't as productive?
2: Uh, we've We've always done a good job of having uh, meetings and uh, staying productive. That wasn't one of the many, many struggles I've had. Throughout the years, thankfully. But, yeah, we, we, we have very specific goals uh, based on productivity. That's actually that's actually where a lot of ours start. So when we have a, a sales goal we've got to hit, we break it down to how many hours we've got to do, and then we break it down by advisor, how many hours the advisor is going to sell per advisor per day, uh, and then by tech, how many hours we expect that tech to do. We discuss it individually. We discuss it as a group uh and then we uh as soon as we 're done discussing it, we discuss it some more a couple of days later, we discuss it some more so yes we we are always having meetings about these things and little reminders and uh some little management tricks of questions every once in a while to make sure they realize you're paying attention so they uh so they kind of stay on top of those things. So.
0: I would bet also that there's something in that conversation about how many cars we need to bring in and what the average repair order needs to be uh, to maintain the kind of productivity that we need. Yeah. Um, what What about uh, shop owners? And I'll, I'll I'll put this out to the panel. But what about shop owners that say, "Well, you know, um, you're at, at 800 and some dollars an average repair order. You're ripping the customer off. You're selling them things they don't need." Um, cause I know that there's somebody out there right now going, well, you know, if he's getting 800, he's doing something illegal or something immoral. Uh, what about, what would you say to those guys?
2: Well, the average opportunity in my shop is now up to about $2,100. Um, so my, and I, so you can do the math. I only sell an average of about eight to $900 on average of that $2,100. So I'm I'm selling way less than 50% of what I'm seeing um, because no, we're going to find it. We're going to talk to every customer about it. If, if we find $2,100, you better be telling the customer what you see. You can't be hiding that stuff. You can't be asking somebody to make an $800 investment in their car without letting them know the other potential $1,300 that's coming up in the near future. So we, we find all the work. We estimate all the work. We talk to the customer about all the work. But then we prioritize the work. So just because a customer's car needs $2,100 worth of work doesn't mean that they're going to get on the freeway and die if they don't do all of it, right? So uh, it's just in how you present it. And uh, I've never – I don't think I've ever had anybody work for me that uh, has presented something to a customer that they didn't need. Um, But that's a big no-no. Like I never have, never will do that. Um, So, yeah, we – if you if you check a car properly, if I can find twenty one hundred dollars, why are you not? You know, if I can, if my advisors regularly sell eight hundred dollars uh, on average, why can't you? You know what I mean? That's. I'll put the question right back there. You know what I mean?
0: And and why, you're why in a where the labor rate is not, it's not the same as it might be in some other places in the United States. I mean, it could be a lot higher. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we have excuse. a we, we have a question from Trent. I think it's a it's probably a, a usable question. Uh, if you wanted to pull in more B work, uh, back to kind of what um, uh, Bill was saying, um, do you change your prices? Do you do you make the B work more competitive with your neighbors, or or do you uh, uh, you, you how do you get that B work in? I'll give that to Bill.
1: Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. The the what I've seen is is. By being available, you know, if you're if you're constantly pushing people off uh, a motor job, people are going to understand the vehicle is going to be here for a week or two weeks. Somebody that has a no crank, no start, they just want to get their car in and get it fixed and get it turned around. There's plenty of that out there. Um, do I discount or have tiered pricing? I don't. I know shops that do. Um, do I I think at the end of the day, I am not going to spend a single dollar of marketing advertising pricing. Uh, to me, that's the, that is the quintessential wrong approach. The moment I start talking about um, my pricing structure, my money, the way that I'm gonna charge you as a customer, I'm taking your eyes and I'm focusing them in the wrong place. I, I want you to see a friendly, comfortable place where I can even enjoy bringing my car, you know, the barbershop experience. Um, as soon as I start talking about pricing with you, now'm I'm, I'm shifting your focus over here and trying to do something uh, to attract you for a different reason. Does that make sense?
0: And I would I would tell you and I, I would teach every service advisor, To stay away from that conversation. In fact, what I'm trying to do is get you away from price and get you over to all of the reasons why we should be working on your car, why we're a great shop. Um, I'm not going to focus on price at all. I'm going to focus on doing a great job. I'm going to focus on giving you a loaner car, getting your car washed, being there for you as the advocate, uh, making sure your car never breaks down. You know, all of the things that we bring to the table that other shops may or may not be able to bring to the table. I think that's the, the way that we should uh, we should do that.
3: I think that's why a good service advisor training is so so important, right? It's how we present this to the client, right? You don't say, "Oh, by the way, you need three thousand dollars of the work." You don't blur that out like that, right? That's kind of scary. I would think it'd be scary if somebody just did that to me, right? Uh, and we want to do be methodical and how we approach it, and 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 you know sell the benefit the whole the whole time all the way through and get those yeses. You know,
0: so, if you, know. you were if if you were to um, if you were to take the top three things that you think create productivity in your business, um, what are those top three things? Uh, let's uh, let's start with uh, BJ. BJ, what's the top three things that in, that create productivity in the business?
3: They create productivity in the business. Um, uh-huh. Having a good system and process, uh, the workflow. Uh, work order process, service advisor, and dispatch, all those processes in place to where we can get things looked at, estimated quickly, and back to the technician. Uh, I think that's okay. very important that we get that, that, we get that done. Uh, having people that are educated with the right equipment, right, a clean, lit, well-organized shop, and help our productivity, right? Um, having the goals uh, and the incentive to drive them, Right. And having those uh, conversations and removing any barriers along the way that we can, all those things are all going to help uh, with the productivity. But um, I think, you know, right off the bat, if we don't have a good process in place and we're all going different directions and we don't know where we're headed,
0: that's a big no-no. Okay. Yeah. Tom, what are, your, what are your top three?
2: Oh, it's too hard to pick three. So I would say number one uh, contributor to productivity is your inspection process. You've got to be finding uh, all the work, the right work. Uh, From there um, would probably be controlling your car count. You have to find that sweet spot. Um, Too many cars lowers productivity. Not enough cars uh, actually doesn't hurt it as bad as too many, if you ask me. And then third is probably a good management process. There's got to be... There's got to be a strong manager in your, in your facility, whether that's you or your lead advisor that is setting the goals, following up on the goals, gaining agreement on the goals, talking about the goals again. So there's got to be a good manager and management process. Is, uh, those are my top three.
0: So, so uh, if I understand you correctly, at least on that last one, somebody's paying attention to the productivity on a regular basis and keeping people focused on getting the work done.
2: And managing yeah, yeah that. you can't just write a goal. Okay, Mr. Tech, I need nine hours a day out of you every day for the month and then uh, and then wait and see what happens and just hope that it adds up at the end of the month. That's not how management works. That's There's got to be somebody with their finger on the pulse every hour, every day, every week, every month. So.
0: I think hope has a really good place in your business, um, but it isn't there right? It's not there. Um, I have to believe that we can do the job. I have to believe that my staff is capable of doing the job, but I have to do everything possible to make them able to do the job. And that's management's uh, thing. And then I would say also for me, it's about removing excuses, getting them out of the way. Anything that keeps us from being productive, we're going to be talking about and, 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 and either dispelling the myth or, or, Getting the equipment we need, or moving things around, whatever it takes, uh, we're going to be doing it to make sure it happens. Bill, top top three things around productivity. Top three for me:
1: uh, number one, expectation. I think we we always assume that people know what we want. You know, everybody's supposed to have be a be a mind reader, have ESP or something uh, around us because we have this huge presence as the owner or manager in our minds. Uh, So the the expectations comes with good management along what uh, Tom had, but I'd put it at number one. Number two is good technicians. Good technicians doing good works, doing good uh, inspections. Number three uh, is workflow. Um, And that, I believe, comes from the uh, service advisors and the service advisors need to do a good job of estimating and selling along with keeping the the, uh, parts coming in, dispatching the work when the parks come in, you know, not having stuff sitting around people wondering where they are um, taking care of that workflow is, is critical. Um, I also wanted to, I wanted to follow up. I, I saw um, T E Cole uh, came, uh, had another comment of just how to get that, that uh, profitable work through the door. And in, in, in my experience, I had a, um, I had a shop that did, uh, consistently 120%, um, $400,000 per tech per year, three techs, $1.2 million shop. And they did it with B techs and they, and the, the work consistently came through the door and the shop was very, 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 um, uh, had a high ratings. Um, they, they had, they had, uh, they had trust in their in their community. Their community had trust in them, and and I think just being available and being able to, being able to to push the work that's not right for them off in an honest fashion, saying, "Hey, there's this great shop that can take care of that for you. We can't. We don't have that equipment here. We don't have the space. Maybe it's a small shop, um, and just having the availability. Uh, what I've seen." There's tons of that work out there. There's tons of those, of those highly profitable jobs out there. So often we we let them we we let them kind of flutter away because we're full of of we're full. We don't have the availability that day for them. Um, and that's and 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 I see that as the biggest problem and and deterrent to getting the right work through the door is taking
0: on the wrong work. Okay, um, I want to just, I'm going to sum up a little bit, and then I'm going to turn it over to you guys for the last, you know, the last word kind of thing. Um, I think you're right in the, in the sense of I think I have to have the right expectation, the right goals, the right targets in place. And I think my staff needs to understand that I'm paying attention to that, that uh, I'm not going to let us fall down uh, here, that we're going to do whatever it takes so we can get where we need to be. And when they believe that, I think they start to act differently in the business. I think I need to have a good management process that allows me to look uh, along with my staff at the issues we have within our business. And then I have to be willing to fix those things, even sometimes when it's my fault and not their fault, uh, especially when it's my fault and not their fault. Um, I, I'm in sh- shops all day long and you look at low productivity. And it's 8.15 and the tech is still standing there with no work to do uh, because there's 15 tickets sitting on the counter and they're unorganized. They're not dispatched. Um, I think there needs to be some pressure on the business from the management, uh, some push. Uh, Hey, we know you guys can do it. Uh, uh, This is where we need to be. And I think without that pressure and that push, we're in trouble. Obviously, I think uh, great people are absolutely necessary. Now, I'm process comes into play here a lot because a good process will make a good person, a great person. Um, a good process will make a great person even better. Uh, so you can have great people in terrible process and ruin people, but if you have good people in good process, you're going to get a lot more out of your business. Um, and, and, uh, and, and obviously I think, you know, having the right, Kinds of customers walk through your door. If every car that walks in is a heater core, uh, maybe we're in trouble. Or if everyone that walks in is, a, is head gaskets, maybe we're in trouble. Uh, I need to be doing the right the right work. All right. Now we, we we're uh, we're getting towards the end. Uh, as usual, this goes by way too fast, um, and there's so much more that could be said. What um, uh, what is your advice for the shop owner who is struggling with productivity? Uh, uh, that's that that may be listening to this. What, what should I do? Maybe, you know, help, help me out here. Uh, I'm struggling in my shop. We're at 72%. I've done everything. I think I can, I can't get my people to do the work, uh, in a faster way. Um, BJ, what you're first, what's your advice? Uh,
3: I would sit down and talk with them and find out uh, what those barriers are. Why are they not achieving that hundred or 120% productivity and find out what those barriers are and work with them to remove them right? Who knows what it is? We don't know until we, until we talk about it. But if we don't talk about it and we don't find out and remove those barriers, we're going to be in the same boat. So we want to make sure we're doing that consistently, right? And, and we do it on a weekly basis uh, with our clients, right? We track productivity, track a lot of things, but, but productivity, right? So we can track our productivity this week if it's not what it should be, right? We want to talk about it that week or or Monday. What happened last week? What did we do wrong? What did, what could we do right? You know, remove barriers to make them better the next week. Because you know, if we wait 30 days down the road, you know, we could lose 20 30 percent productivity, and that equates to dollars for the shop. It equates to hours and dollars uh, for the technicians. So I, you know, it's just very important that we that we talk about this and don't make excuses. Right? We have so many people that make excuses instead of just getting it done.
0: I think if I, as a consultant, if I could like just, if I had one magic wish, you know, just that that spell that would get rid of all people's excuses and just every time they try to say an excuse, they would, uh, 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 you know, it would just be so good. Focus on solutions. Stay away from excuses. All the time you spend on excuses, it it doesn't help you solve a problem. It never helps you fix anything. Uh, Bill... Uh, I'm having a hard time with my guys. I'm working hard, but I just can't seem to get them moving. What do I do?
1: Well, you know, who's not moving? Is it everybody? Uh, I'd say no matter what the problem is in your shop, you've got to own it. It's your shop. It's your problem. You've created it. You've allowed it to happen. Uh, However you want to look at it, it's your deal. (laughs) And so what are you going to do about it? Um, You're And then, and then, you know, how, how much do you expect out of yourself? You need to, you need to understand that you, as much as you're responsible, you're not going to be able to solve this problem all by yourself. So I'm going to sit down and I'm going to ask each person individually and, and what they think I'm going to write all those things down, how they can be more productive, how they can be more efficient, where the problems lie. And then I'm going to put put all those things together in a consolidated list. We're going to sit down as a group and, and hash them out. Uh, if I need to close the shop for a day to really emphasize the importance of this, I'm going to. If you're not if you're not making money anyway, or you're not making the right kind of money, um, your shop's going to shut down anyway. So so close it down until. You know, until your people understand what it is that you need to do. What What's your pricing based on? You know, what are your, how much money do you need to make? How much money do you need to pay the rent? How much money do you need to keep the lights on? How much money do you need to make to pay them what they're worth? These are all, this is where it all begins is, is how much work can you get done?
0: We, we, we create a lot of our own problems. We live in them for a very long time and then we're surprised by the problem. Um, We need to be uh, own own them. I I agree with that 100%. Tom, uh, last word. Uh, What are you going to tell this this uh, person that needs help?
2: Yeah, I'm on a similar side of of bills. It's 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 likely you here You're probably the problem. But the good news is is uh, the four of us that are on here right now are probably some of the best at diagnosing what's wrong. Uh, For me to diagnose it, uh, I'm a numbers guy. So there's some numbers. I'm going to ask you to track for me for probably two or three weeks, report back, and then we're going to use those numbers to properly diagnose it. You know, back in our younger years, we diagnosed cars. Now that we're slightly older, we diagnose business problems. Uh, we're very good, very uh, efficient and productive at doing that. So uh, reach out for help. Uh, there's some very simple tools available to you so that uh, we can help you through it, is my advice.
0: Okay, um, I want to thank everybody for being on the panel as usual, it's uh, time has gone by and we're going to run a minute or two over um, uh, thank you BJ, Bill and Tom uh, for all your words of wisdom we appreciate your help here at the Institute and I know all the shops that we work with uh, love what you do uh, thank you so much guys and uh, have a wonderful day thanks everybody See you soon.
2: thank you, bye bye
0: Join us next time as we discuss social media and how to utilize it for your business. Subscribe at institutesleadingedge.pondbeat.com so you don't miss out. Or find us on iTunes and Spotify at The Leading Edge. Join the Institute group on Facebook and get advice from other top shop owners as well as our experienced consultants. Brought to you by the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Thanks for listening.